Hello, you are listening to Learning in Tech, a podcast where I talk with developers about their unique journey into tech, their lessons, successes, failures, and everything in between. I am your host, Fabio Pozzano. Today, I am joined by Siora. She's a software engineer. There's so many things I can say about you, so I'm going to try to keep it concise, if possible. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Software engineer, an AGHEG instructor and learner advocate, technical writer at DigitalOcean, creator of 100 Project Days, and AWS Community Builder, amongst many, many, and many other things. Yes. (laughs) How are you yeah, doing today, Sarah? Really to be here. I'm good. I'm good. I'm really excited to be here. Today is a busy day, but this is like the highlight, so I'm happy to be here. Well, I'm glad that you think that this is a highlight. I really appreciate you being here and taking the time to speak with me and with us, with the audience. To get us started, I guess the question that I have first is, how was that journey to become a software engineer? So you were a digital marketeer and then software engineer. Yeah. Okay. So this is like, this is gonna, I'm gonna try to keep this story short. Every time I tell this story, it's like super long. I've been interested in tech since I was like 12. I didn't really know coding was a thing until then. Like one of my teachers when I was in sixth grade played a video and it was like Bill Gates and a bunch of basketball players and a couple other, I think maybe Mark Zuckerberg was in the video too. And they were like talking about okay. the power of coding and they were like, Oh, like coding is. Like the next big thing, everyone should learn how to code. And I kind of was like, oh, that sounds kind of cool. But then I forgot about it. I didn't like return hmm. to it again until I was a junior in high school. I was like trying to figure out what I was going to do, like what was going to be my next career step, all this kind of stuff. And I met someone, she was a software engineer or IT professional, I should say. And she kind of was telling me about what the tech industry was like. And I was like, oh, I think I could do that. And again, I kind of just left it on the back burner. I didn't really pursue it like seriously until I had just graduated from high school and I was accepted into this program called Code with Colossi. It's a, like a nonprofit in the U.S. where mm-hmm. uh, they have these two-week camps in the summer where they teach girls how to code. So I did that and it was really fun. It was really hard. We had to build a website with HTML, CSS, and Ruby. I didn't know what I was doing, but we pulled <laughs> something together. Like it just worked. And then I was like, oh, this is really cool. Like, I think I really want to to do this now. Like, that was my first taste of coding. And I was like, I think I could do this. But at that point, I wasn't, like, enrolled in the university. That wasn't, like, a real option for me. So Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, the only thing I could see myself doing is a boot camp. And boot camps are really expensive. I didn't have any money. Like, I was like, I don't know how I'm going to pull this off. So I ended up just kind of, like, self-teaching, I guess. I did, like, free code camp. I, like, bought, like, a course or two on Udemy. And never finished them. Was super inconsistent. Started, then stopped, then started, then stopped. And I somehow like stumbled into digital marketing. A friend of mine was just starting a business and she was like, I need somebody to help with digital marketing. So I like joined her and I just kind of picked it up from YouTube videos and stuff. So I was like doing the digital marketing in the software, like learning to be a software developer at the same time. But I ended up getting sidetracked. I, got, I started to focus more on uh, digital marketing because that's just where my career was taking me. And then I ended up doing like freelance digital marketing. I was pretty, I was okay at it. Like I wasn't the best, but <laughs> I could like pull some strings together with some things with digital marketing. 
And then, so where am I now? This is such a long story. I feel like I, I just <laughs> make it longer than it has to be. So it's fine. Fast forward. <laughs> so fast forward. So while I'm doing the digital marketing, the whole time I still have coding on the back burner. So I would like mm-hmm. return to, I would return to uh like free code camp and my Udemy courses, and then get distracted again. And return and then get distracted again. Like it was super inconsistent. And somehow I would go months without coding and then have to relearn CSS and JavaScript like all over again. And then here comes coronavirus in March of 2020. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> I was doing I was doing digital marketing full like full time as a freelancer. And I lost every single one of my clients. Every Oof. single one of them dropped me. So I was like, okay, I have no choice now but to take this coding thing seriously. Like, this is literally my only option. And I had just got accepted into Udacity. They have a scholarship for their um, cloud DevOps program. So I just got accepted into that. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to, like, go hard and just totally immerse myself in this. So the past, like, six months have been more jam-packed than that whole year before that where I was, like, trying to learn how to code. I've, like... I feel like I've put a lot of pressure on myself because it's like I wasted all that time. I have to like make it back. So, <laughs> so since then, I've been a little, I've mostly focused on AWS and cloud computing, but I also have like some experience teaching HTML, CSS, JavaScript, a little experience with React. I love Python. I don't get to work with Python as much as I would like, but it's like literally my favorite language. And I know a little bit about databases and stuff like that. So I'm a little bit like all of, I have a lot of, knowledge well i should say i have a little bit of knowledge and a lot of different things and you could probably tell that from all the like i'm pretty all over the place but yeah so since then since march uh that's when i started after march i think in april i started working with egghead and then i had a couple like speaking engagements between then i started writing a lot more too after march i think march is when i first released like a blog post that was not through a company i was working for and then started working with DigitalOcean as a technical writer in September. So yeah, it's been a it's been like a it's been a crazy year. Like there's been some career wise, this is the best I've ever done, but year wise, this has been a pretty trash year. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah. It's it's interesting. Sometimes when everything seems to go wrong, some for some reason things start falling in place and start going well for yeah. you, and it's like. It shouldn't be happening, but you know, I'm happy yeah. that it's happening. It's fine. <laughs> so yeah. I think I remember you joined uh, Party Corgi in January, March. Uh, I don't know. I remember, I think we joined more or less around the same yeah. time, I, I, I believe so. And yeah. I saw then that you got into Egghead and you became an instructor. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. So yeah, congratulations <laughs> for that. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, I really enjoy teaching and I get nervous when I have to do it because I'm like, I don't know what's going on either. But it's something I really enjoy. And it like when you teach others, you in turn teach yourself. So that's been kind yep. of like my own learning technique is like, if I'm going to learn something, I have to teach somebody else, whether it's through an egghead lesson or through a blog post or whatever the case may be. That's like my new routine. It's like, I'm going to learn this, but I'm also going to write a blog post about it. So, yeah. Which is what they say. If you want to see if you actually know something, try to teach it, and then you will know exactly the things that you don't know, (laughs) if if that makes sense. 
because I started with Python, Python also has a special place in my heart. So I was quite happy when I saw your lessons on Python on Egghead. And I was like, yeah. yes, it's not just a React <laughs> and JavaScript. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I still have yeah. a lot of a lot more Python content that I need to put out there. It's just a matter of like making time for it. But Python is literally, I think that's another reason why I was super inconsistent because JavaScript was like hard for me. Like I mm -hmm. didn't understand what was going on. It just was like confusing to me. And I... And it was because I had so many questions and now I understand some of the reasons why I was confused, but I just didn't get, okay, how, how come JavaScript runs in the browser and other languages don't? Like I was just so confused about all those things and it would like stop me and then I would have to learn all over again and then I would get confused again. Like, oh, what is DOM manipulation? So instead of continuing to fail at JavaScript, <laughs> I decided to just try something new and Python is pretty relevant in the, the cloud computing world. So I was like, okay, let me try Python out. And when I tried it out, it was like a match made in heaven. Like I love Python. Now that I know a little bit of Python, returning back to JavaScript, I feel like I understand JavaScript a little bit better. I understand like what's going on a little more. And plus I read more and I ask more questions now. So I, I'm not as confused as I used to be, but yeah, Python is just, I just get it. Like I just understand what's happening and it doesn't need like much explanation for me. I love Python. Yeah, I think when I was starting, I started with the three big ones that existed in Code Academy, which was uh, mm -hmm. Python, JavaScript, and Ruby. And I actually started with JavaScript, and I was like, what the hell is happening here? <laughs> and then I started Python, and I was like, ah, okay, yeah, that makes sense. I sort of feel that I had the same experience as you. After understanding Python and after getting deeper into Python, then I started learning the basics, and then I moved to JavaScript. I think it's two years now. Time goes by so fast. I know. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, okay. So in Python, I do it this way. So in JavaScript, I do it in that way. And things start falling in place. And I was yeah. like, huh, okay. That's very interesting. So is that why you have a love-hate relationship with JavaScript? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes, 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 yes. I feel like now it's like, now that I spent some time away from JavaScript and I'm like, because of a lot of the technical writing I do has to do with JavaScript. I have to like explain some of the weird stuff that's going on with JavaScript. And now that I'm coming back, I feel like I understand it a little bit more now and I kind of know what's going on. But I used to really, I feel like I'm just now starting to get it. And this is after like me learning it a year and a half ago, two years ago. And I'm just now starting to, okay, I kind of know what's going on now, kind of. Um, there are still things that I can't, I don't understand and I can't explain, but I'm definitely better off than I was. So I definitely would say that it's, it's for sure the essence of a love-hate relationship. I do love <laughs> how easy it is to like build something really quick and build something that's cool and that you can interact with. Like that's awesome. But also like once you get to a certain point and you're trying to do more advanced things, it's like, what is happening here? What's going on? So I'm starting to kind of figure out what's going on in the more advanced side of things. But my my knowledge of JavaScript is very, I'm just now starting to put all the puzzle pieces together. Like I've jumped around a lot mm -hmm. and I learned advanced things when I probably shouldn't have. So I'm like just now, oh, now I get what's happening. Now I understand what that is. Like I'm just at that point now after like two years. So yeah. Yeah, it's funny. I had someone on one of my streams and that person said, you know, I tried to learn JavaScript and that person didn't know what to get started with. And he said, do you know what? I feel that if I learn this specific thing in JavaScript, maybe 
you know, Gatsby, in two years, Gatsby is going to disappear and then I have to relearn everything again. And I was like, well, probably in two years, Gatsby is not going to disappear. But you are still learning JavaScript or you're still practicing React. So those skills are transferable. But it is true, yeah. when you are starting and you have no idea where to start, if you don't have this guide, it's like, there's so many things to learn. Uh, maybe I'm learning about DOM and that's the rabbit hole itself. And it's a little bit more advanced stuff, which I made that mistake in as well. So yeah, I can totally relate to that. Yeah, it's funny. I had taken a class. Some bootcamp was like offering like advanced JavaScript class. And I took it because I was like, I know what's going on. Like, I know JavaScript. And I definitely struggled. I think the class lasted for like a month. And it was, we had classes on Mondays and Wednesday evenings. And I would be so lost. Like, I had no clue what was going on. And that's because it was way far advanced than what I was ready for at the time. But now when I think back about like some of the things that I learned then, I'm like, okay, now after like six months, I finally understand what's happening. And like, yeah, what you said about, about jumping around a lot, like that's another thing I did too. Yeah, it's so much out there, it's easy to get distracted. And sometimes like even now, I've seen a lot of people talking about Next.js and I'm like, oh, I wanna try that, like that seems interesting. But I'm trying to control myself because there are other things that I have to learn that are more relevant to me right now. That's like a such a big pitfall that I think a lot of us confront when you're just starting out. Oh, maybe I should learn this. And then each thing that you decide to focus on has a million and one different directions you can go. Even Python, there's so much you can do with Python. It's so hard to just focus on one particular thing and like stay on that path. And I think I'm veering away from cloud computing now and I'm veering away from AWS now. But the thing I'm thankful for is that at that point in time in March, when I got that scholarship, it gave me enough focus to get an advanced enough point where if I moved on, I would understand what was going on instead of just like jumping around. So it was like a clear path that I was going to take that I was going to like stick with. And that really helped for on my growth. I think that, that that's one thing that really like helped motivate me to like keep going and, and stay consistent. So, yeah. Especially when you're self-taught, there's so many things that you have to learn. There's so many things that seem shiny and there's so many things that seem interesting. And yeah. so many fields that you can say, oh, I think cybersecurity might be cool. And then you go into that rabbit hole and then you keep on going and you're like, oh, wait, but I should maybe do some websites because I should have a portfolio or something. Yes, and then, yeah. oh, yeah, this uh, everybody's using AWS. Let me learn AWS. And then you are learning for a full department. <laughs> because it's what you said. If you're a self-taught, it's very hard to focus. Yeah. Which it seems in your case, that scholarship was the thing that really said, all right, here's a clear path. It might not be what you want to do in the future, which is, that's going to be my next question, but it might not be what you want to do in the future, but it could be something to say, okay, I have like a specialization and then I can learn a few other things just for the sake of learning. Right. So going with that, do you want to be a DevOps engineer kind of thing or you have no idea yet? <laughs> so there are certain things I really, really like about cloud. And some of them are not necessarily like super techie. Like I do like the fact that the JavaScript world, there's so many JavaScript developers and there's so many people who are into React and those kind of things, but there aren't that many people who are like, I'm a cloud person or I'm a DevOps person. So you can kind of set yourself apart that way. But DevOps and cloud, they're very tedious sometimes. <laughs> and 
<laughs> and also sometimes the fact that there aren't that many people who are involved in that space means that when you have issues, it's harder to find help. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I've had tons of those, like some of the assignments I had for that scholarship were like, what is happening right now? So I can't say that I particularly enjoy, especially DevOps. I can't say that I particularly enjoy DevOps, even though I do appreciate, again, I appreciate the role that the, the scholarship played in like my whole journey in tech. I do think I'm going to stick with cloud because I think cloud and the serverless is a really big deal right now. And I think even personally, like when you're building projects, having cloud and serverless on your side means that you can build things that would usually take lots of time and maybe even a whole team. So I'm going to stick with cloud, I think, I think. But as far as like what next steps are for me, I really, um, and this is another thing with cloud and, and DevOps is that you, it's not, it's a lot of scripting. It's not so much coding. If you do a lot mm-hmm. of like, YAML or things like that, CloudFormation scripts and stuff. And I'm not, I don't really enjoy that so much. Like it's not my cup of tea. I really like the the problem solving and the, how do I get this this feature to work or how do I implement this new code syntax or whatever? That's what I really enjoy. And I discovered that when I was doing the Cloud DevOps program, I was like, I kind of miss coding, like actually like coding. So I think that's something I would be leaning more towards. But whatever I do, I think the the things that I enjoy most, I really like content creation and I really like community building and I like to code. So anything that allows me to kind of like combine all those things is like kind of what I want to go for. So, yeah. <laughs> Makes sense. And, you know, I heard your episode on AWS podcast. Oh, Screaming in the Cloud? Yes, that's the one. I, I couldn't remember the name. One thing that the host said was, you know, there's so many things that you can do just on AWS alone that um, you definitely can't get tired of learning new things just on that field anyway. I agree with you. (laughs) DevOps can be very tedious. That's why you should automate all the things. And that's why automation, it's such a big thing in DevOps world because it's like, I don't want to write this damn script every single time, or I don't want to deal with the, the same sort of YAML configuration all the time. Just out of curiosity. When you deal with YAML, how annoying are the spaces? <laughs> I know, right? I don't want to talk about it. I'm like having nightmares now. I'm like, oh, flashback. Some of, the, some of those assignments were like, what is happening right now? Oh, yep. my goodness. It's like, and then and when, you, when you're doing like infrastructure as code, it's really confusing because you can't really visualize what's going on sometimes. Because the, the cloud stuff is literally like you can't see it, especially when you're dealing with someone else's servers that you're supposed to be like configuring or whatever. So I had a really hard time like, OK, I don't know what order these things go in. I don't know how to like list this this service and provision that server and all this kind of stuff because I don't I can't see it. So that was like a really difficult thing for me. And I'm a very like for certain things, I'm a very visual learner and I need to like see what's happening to understand what's going mm-hmm. on. So I was like, I that's another part of it that I was I don't Fan of <laughs> but like i'm not going to abandon aws on like cloud completely but i don't know if that's if i want to be like i'm going to be a cloud engineer like i don't know if that's exactly what i want to do i know site reliability engineering is kind of you do a little bit of both you code a little bit and you do the server stuff and all that kind of stuff so yeah that, that might be an option in the future i'm really as far as future plans i really think that the thing i most want to go for is developer advocacy or developer relations because I feel like it combines a lot of what I know I like to do together in one role. So right now, like 
doing technical writing. I get paid to do technical writing, but all the the writing I do outside of that is like just my own free time, and it's hard to make time for that. And I, but I enjoy it so much that it's something I want to keep doing, or like video content creation. Those are things I want to keep doing. But in Devrel, that's all your time is spent on. So I kind of want to do something like that. And like right now, if I do a talk, that's my personal time that's being devoted mm-hmm. to that. And it's hard to fit all those things into one. And, but I like it so much, I still want to do it. So I'm thinking that Dev Advocacy or Dev Relations is like maybe the next thing I want to go for. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. <laughs> I think it's it's hard. On one of the interviews that I've done, the person that was interviewing me asked, oh, so what are your long-term goals in tech? And I'm like, I don't know. I want to deal with code. I have no yeah. idea. And it was clearly the wrong answer. And I've, I've told that story before. But yeah, it's like I'm applying for a junior position. I can say maybe I want to be a full-stack developer because I've been doing back-end stuff and front-end stuff. But... I'm not sure if that's what I want to do for the rest of my life. You know, yeah. it's hard. And when there's so many things and you just enjoy learning and practicing, it's what you said. There's so many things. It's like, maybe I want to do this thing with cloud for a bit and then I don't deal with that or I, I couldn't enjoy it as much. So now I'm going to do this thing. And, you know, and I think nowadays you don't really have a career for life. It's very easy for you to just jump roles from one thing and another and in tech there's so many roles available that you don't yeah. have to stay branded as back-end developer period unless this is what gives you pleasure and that's it it's it's hard to say this is the thing i want to do and i'm not going to do anything else that's yeah, another I thing totally understand what you mean. yeah and um that's another thing that kevin said we should try to all to try to become a t-shaped developer which is you know a little bit of everything, but then you specialize in the few little things. So then you sort of yeah. become T-shaped developer, which I really like that analogy. So it makes so a lot of sense. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's like the beauty of the tech industry is that it's like a, a blessing and a curse, right? Like there's so much out there. So if you do feel like, ah, I don't think I like this so much, there's always something that's pretty adjacent that you can jump to that's not far-fetched, that won't be super difficult for you. But also it means that it's super hard to focus and like stay on one thing and kind of like focus on that. But I think once you kind of like get good at one thing, you become a really strong backend developer, a really strong like Python developer. Then once you have those kind of skills, it's much easier to jump around. It's almost like learning a language, right? Like if, if you have two languages learned, the next one is going to be easier. The next one is going to be easier. So that's kind of how I look at it. I learned Spanish in high school and I really took it seriously. I'm like, I'm going to really learn this and become fluent. And it was hard. The first language to learn is like super, super hard and difficult. And I didn't know what's going on. But once I got that down pat, now the next one is going to be easier. The next one after that is going to be easier. And that's kind of how I look at it in tech. It's going to be hard to focus the first year or two. Like it's going to be hard to find that thing that you want to stick with. And that even though you hate it, sometimes you're just going to like try to get good at it. But once you do get through that and you get to a certain level where you know what's going on, once you decide to jump around and do whatever, it's going to be much easier. So that's how I keep, that's what I keep trying to remind myself. Like stick to one thing right now, <laughs> get pretty good at it, and then you can move on to whatever else you want after that. So that is what people say. Learn the basics very well first before jumping around, unless you're jumping around just to see what kind of language you like best. But yeah, like you said, you found Python, Python made sense, and then you learn basics from that. If you talk about languages, so are you still trying to achieve your dream of becoming a polyglot? 
<laughs> it's so funny okay so i still really want to become a father when i was like 15 i was like i'm gonna learn six languages and i'm gonna travel the world but this year i've been like pretty focused on like tech stuff so i haven't been i think i think my next language though is going to be portuguese i have this weird routine of every morning i wake up and do my little morning routine and i listen to youtube videos in a bunch of different languages mm -hmm. i listen to youtube videos in english spanish french italian and korean and i do that to kind of train my ears to like at least get used to the sound yep. so at least when I decide to start learning a language, I'll have that. Cause you know, a kid spends their first two years not talking. And if you count in the womb, it's almost three years, right? Mm -hmm. And they just listen. So that's what I'm doing right now. I'm just like listening and trying to pick up the noises. So whatever one I do decide to learn, it's just that I have to, again, get to a certain level of proficiency with the tech stuff so that I can focus on other things. Cause I'm pretty, I'm almost fluent in Spanish, almost. If I try hard enough, I think I could be fluent. So the next language I learn, I want to be able to de dedicate like a, a nice amount of time so I can really learn it well. Because I don't like doing stuff and not doing it well. I don't mm -hmm. want to learn a language and just know a little bit of Portuguese or a little bit of French. I want to like know the language. So yeah, I'm not as far ahead as I thought. I thought by now I would know six languages. I'm definitely not there yet. Hey, but you still have still plenty like of time. <laughs> you right, still have yeah, plenty of time. It's fine. And if you need help with Portuguese, let me know. I can help you. So it's fine. <laughs> cool, cool. Okay. Awesome, but I think yeah. if you know Spanish, you probably will be able to pick up Portuguese slightly easier. I think as well, Italian might be a little bit easier than Portuguese. But, you know, they are quite similar, the three languages. So I can go around with Spanish, but I don't say I speak Spanish because I'm speaking a mixture of Portuguese and Spanish. <laughs> which we call in Portugal Portugal and um, with Italian I used to be better because I was living with Italian people and I used to practice okay. but now I don't really practice so I kind of lost and that's one thing with languages if you don't practice it just goes I very know. quickly it's, it's uh, very yeah. time consuming but I think my little YouTube routine in the morning helps <laughs> like I, I think that's a good idea yeah, it, I actually learned it. So, oh my goodness. Now I'm about to get really nerdy because I'm like a language. That's fine. <laughs> so I was like obsessed with polyglots. And I used to watch all these videos of these guys who like took like 20 different languages and stuff like that. And I would like watch their videos of how they explain how they study and how they keep up with it. And like some of them would say like one thing, which is a method I want to try. Is I was born speaking English. And my second language was Spanish. My third language was French, but I learned French from Spanish. So you get to practice your Spanish while you're learning French. And then if you decide to learn Chinese next, you'll learn Chinese from French. So that's something I thought about doing. But one of the things they mentioned was like they have this routine of regularly taking in the language. So they'll watch the news in Spanish, watch cooking shows in French, those kind of things. So they, they get accustomed to hearing the language because that's like a big part of it. So I was like, okay, I'm going to do that. Like, I don't have international TV, but I have YouTube, so I'm going to use that. And I find that French is a little hard for me to understand, but Italian and, and Portuguese, I can pretty much listen and know what's going on. Mm -hmm. I'll be like, oh, yeah, without having to watch the video, I'll know that like yeah, she's yeah. putting on her makeup or that he's cooking or whatever <laughs> the case may be. So, yeah, it's, it's one of my favorite things, and I get really nerdy when I talk about it. <laughs> and it's I fun. wish I was like, around more people. 
in my area, there aren't that many people who speak different languages. There are different sections of Philadelphia where there's is very diverse, but not my area. And mm-hmm. nobody in my family speaks a different language, which I really hate. I'm like, I need everybody to learn how to speak Spanish so you can speak with me and we can practice <laughs> together. But yeah, it's still like one of my my biggest hobbies. And I and I hope that like one day I can reach that six number and know all those languages and be able to travel and like talk to people and have fun. Post-corona, that's definitely something yeah. I'm going to try to do. I'm going to try to travel around and speak Italian, speak French here and all that kind of stuff. Sounds like a good goal to try to achieve. Yeah. Or if you can't achieve six languages, spoken languages, maybe you can do six languages as in coding languages. That's true. I'm getting there. <laughs> I'm, getting, I'm actually getting there fast. With, uh, See? With every, it seems like every day I'm like, especially with technical writing, because sometimes I have to write about languages I don't really know about. Like TypeScript was, TypeScript is technically kind of like JavaScript, but not. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to count that as a separate language. But every day I'm like, oh man, this seems kind of cool. Am I going to learn this too? Like, is this going to be as my of languages that I know now? I'm trying to like, but again, I'm trying to stay focused. It's hard because everything is interesting to me. Even earlier, you mentioned cybersecurity. I went through a phase where I was like, this is what I want to do. I want to do cybersecurity. I want to hack people. And then I even went through a blockchain phase, which I'm so ashamed of. I really got into that. And I was like, (laughs) crypto seems so cool. I've been through all of that. But I think web development plus cloud is kind of what I want to stick with now. I think that could change. Like talk to me two months from now and it could be totally different. (laughs) But that's what I want now. (laughs) Which makes sense. What's your opinion on learning in public? How important is it for people? Because, you know, sometimes when I speak with someone that's trying to get into coding, I would say create a blog, write posts about it, and it will help people in the future. And this is one thing that folks at Party Corgi keep saying, just put it in writing because you will help someone in the future. Yeah, that's another thing that I think is why I've been able to progress the way I have is because, well, first of all, I'm the kind of person who needs external motivation to get things done. I'm not the kind of person who can say, oh, I'm going to code every day for an hour and like only I know about it and I'm going to do it because I am super self-motivated. I'm not that person at all. So the only way for me to get things done is if other people know about it. And I know that they're waiting for a blog post or they're waiting for me to finish this project. And I know that people are watching and they're like, oh, yeah, I'm super excited about this project you're building. So that will kind of motivate me to at least not forget about what I'm what my goals are. So I'm a huge, huge proponent of learning in public. I think it's super important. Even if you decide, oh, I want to be a generalist and I want to know a little bit about everything. That's totally fine, too. That could be the, the path you want to take. But I think learning in public and putting those things that you, you you're learning out there and, and solidifying it in your own mind and writing about it or making a video about it or whatever you decide to do. It helps other people, of course, but I think it helps you so much. Like even if if I write a blog that nobody reads about, it's totally fine because for me to write that, I had to learn a whole lot to be able to write about it. Mm -hmm. There are lots of things I know, but I can't explain it. So do I really know it? And I think when you learn in public, it kind of helps you to get to that point. Like learning through teaching is a, a great way to really know, do I really understand what's happening here? Am I just going, am I just following instructions? So it's it's something that I really love and I'm I'm trying to embed it in my like learning routine even more. My new thing is if I'm building a project, while I'm building it, I also have a markdown file where I'm writing down everything that I'm doing so that I can write down, have the steps outlined, create the blog post, put it out there so people can read and also I can reference later 
if I decide to build the same thing again and I don't know what I'm doing. I think it's like a super great thing to to put into your routine of learning. I know it's like nerve wracking for some people, but it has helped me a ton. You don't even know. <laughs> the worst thing is when you try to put things out there and you have these gatekeepers where they say you shouldn't be writing about that because you don't have your 10 years experience, yada, 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 which, yeah, sure, you have 10 years experience, but can you explain me how to do a list comprehension in Python? The person will say, yeah, sure, you have to do it this way. And I was like, yeah, I still don't understand it because I never seen right. it in my life. So you can't relate with someone that's starting. People are going to complain. People are going to say that it sucks. It's fine. It's what you say. I'm doing for myself. If some, I can help someone else in the future, that's perfect. I just want yeah. to put stuff out there. And I'm not sure if I am wrong in assuming this, but I think you are similar to me where you start lots of new things to just learn and to get started. Although there's yeah. a huge difference between yeah. you and me, which is you actually finish stuff and mine are staying oh. somewhere and that's it. <laughs> Do I finish stuff though? I definitely don't finish stuff. I have, I have so many projects in the works that are like just sitting there looking at me, waiting for me to finish them. And But like I keep lying to myself and saying, I'm going to finish this one day. But there's one project I'm working on right now that I'm super hype about. And I have like, mm -hmm. I really want to finish this because it's it says everything about me in one project. I'm building a meme API. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> and I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm like learning a lot along the way and I hope to finish it soon. And I want it to be basically almost searchable so that like connected to a front end so that I can search a phrase, get the perfect meme to fit mm -hmm. what I'm looking for. Because right now all my memes are just in a folder on my phone. And if I'm looking, I want a cat meme right now. I have to search through and like sometimes I miss the meme I'm looking for. So I want to be able to make it searchable and we'll see if that happens. But I'm learning so much about API building and schemas and all that kind of stuff right now. So hopefully I'll get that done soon. It's the next big thing that I'm working on. And then I have other things I have to return to that like, I'm going to get done. I promise I'm going to get it done. I think project building and learning in public are the two things that if you want to learn how to code, those are things you should start doing early and mm -hmm. often. Because even if you don't finish a project, you still gain so much from doing that. It's something about practical knowledge that is just different. Me learning and reading about it is totally different than me actually doing it. That's why I'm like, all right, project building, learning in public are, are the two things that I'm like focusing on right now. If I want to learn something new, I have to build a project and I have to write about it. Those are the two things are part of my routine now that I'm hoping are going to have good results. <laughs> we'll see. I think so though. I think so. I mean, you are progressing, so I'm sure that you will get something from that. You know, on lockdown, so in March till June, I guess, April, May, whatever it was, time was a blur. Uh, I created yeah. this, yeah, <laughs> I created this thumbs up news project, which I followed a Twitter classifier tutorial. And I thought, you know what? It might be really cool to try to get the same thing, classify headlines and just get positive headlines. And I've learned a crap load from that project. Yeah. I haven't done anything with it. I have an idea of creating a way for you to register and then you can subscribe and use the API, which I started adding stuff and then I just like, oh, another shiny thing. I'm going to go that way now, <laughs> <laughs> which, you know, that's how it is. If you start so many things and you have so many things at the same time, how do you manage your time? Do you have like a special sauce that you can share? 
I'm really bad at time management. I don't know yeah. if I'm the person you should ask. But the <laughs> one thing that helps me a ton is the Pomodoro technique. Mm-hmm. I swear, that is the only way I get anything done ever. And like, if I finish something, it's because of the Pomodoro technique, which is basically 25 minutes working, five minute break. And I'm a huge procrastinator, like a lot of people, but it's mm-hmm. a huge problem. And the Pomodoro technique kind of helps me get over that, get over those yucky feelings you have when you know there's something you have to do, but you really don't want to do it. So I really use the Pomodoro technique. But other than that, like I I think sometimes I use projects as a way to procrastinate on finishing another project. So I'm not the, the person to ask about time <laughs> management at all. But if I get anything done, it's because of the Pomodoro technique. I don't I actually probably need more tips from other people about time management because I'm not good at it at all. And it's starting to get to the point where I'm like, okay. Somebody needs to get this schedule in check because I'm just not good with time management. I need to get better desperately. But if you have tips. So this is one thing that I want to do with the podcast or the website for the podcast is to write a bit more about the soft skills and it's going to include some time management stuff. I've tried the Pomodoro technique, but I was struggling sometimes. So my brain works a bit weird. Sometimes it's like, let's do all the things. Other times it's like, nope. So when it's on this, let's do all the things drive or mode if i start the pomodoro technique i really find it distracting when i have to take a break i'm like no i need to keep on working (laughs) but when i am procrastinating that really helps because i'm like it's just 20 minutes it's fine i will i can do 20 minutes and then it it kind of gets me started yeah and then after a while i just ignore it the thing that helps me and this is one thing that i've been trying to get back to because i've been on holidays and my habits and routines are just gone (laughs) as you do you know is the night before i tend to take at least half an hour to write a to-do list of things that i want to do the next day and then when i wake up i look at them and i see if it still applies and then i try to say from all of these things that i want to do what's the three top priorities and i start working on that first that's what usually helps me another thing that helps me is i have a bullet journal and try to divide my my days so each square is a hour and i color code this hour so sometimes when everything is red because i use red when i am wasting time or <laughs> when i'm playing games and i see the whole day yeah. red i'm like ah crap i need to work tomorrow as hard yeah. as hell that sort of tends to help but it's it's a habit and it's a routine like i said i had three weeks off and i just didn't do anything and sometimes yeah. it's fine. Sometimes you need to have rest yeah. because when you're yeah. creating so many things, it's it's very easy to get burned out. So that's another thing you need to have a look. Yeah, yeah. I actually really need to start doing the, the method you were just talking about. Mm-hmm. Writing things down and then the next morning you look at your list. I am also very inconsistent with that. I've tried that before and it worked wonders and then I just stopped doing it. I'm, that's probably my biggest problem is inconsistency. It's really hard for me to like do something like every day like I'm supposed to. I'm going to try to do that again because I found that right now there's so many things lying for my attention and it's hard to give them to the right things. <laughs> so, yeah. so I've been like struggling with that a little. I probably would say that's like one of the biggest struggles. When I first, first was getting back started, probably in March, the biggest thing was probably like imposter syndrome. But right now it's time mm-hmm. management. I'm really bad at that. It's really not funny. It's a shame. <laughs> it's really bad. And then I do this thing where I hyper-focus on things. And sometimes if I start reading a book that's really good, I have to finish it. Or if I start watching a TV show, I have to finish the whole show. I have to know what's going to happen next. 
So if I'm doing that while I have a whole, a long list of responsibilities that need to be met, they're not going to get done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, and it's very hard for me to kind of snap myself out of that mindset, like put the book down or stop watching the TV show and get your work done. That means that usually I try to reserve the weekends for stuff like that. I mm-hmm. try to stick to weekends for watching TV shows. And I can binge watch a TV show in a weekend pretty easily, but I can't do it on a weekday because I have stuff I need to do and I will yeah. not get it done. I guarantee you, I will not get it done if I have a good TV show that I'm watching. So that's one thing I'm trying to start doing to kind of help with that because it's so bad. The way I just ignore my responsibilities, is, <laughs> I, it's really crazy. I can't believe I do that, but I do, I do. And I'm working on it, but I'm going to use your tip. One thing that I want to start doing or I want to start becoming more consistent is something that I've uh, seen on a video from Tim Ferriss. He says that he does things in batches and he schedules it on his calendar, those days for that particular batch. So let's say that Monday the 15th, all I'm going to do is write, that's it. I'm not going to revise, I'm not going to code, just writing day. You're going to be exhausted at the end of the day, but you don't have that context switch. So then it tends to mm. help. And then the next day, just do revising all of this stuff that you wrote. And then the next day, do a course. So the next day, do this or do that. And that's one thing that I've been trying to do is to trying to just say, okay, this day I'm going to allocate the whole time for this particular thing. It works. I just haven't got into the habit of doing that doing constantly consistently. and yeah, consistently. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. But. I have to try that. I think that will actually work because I do feel like I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but sometimes I finish writing an article and I'm like, wow, that was so amazing. Now I'm going to just take off for the rest of the day. I'm not going to yep. do anything for the rest of the day. And that's another thing. Like I get so excited when I finish. I just finished this project. So I'm just going to like relax for the rest of the day, knowing I have a whole lot of things I need to do. So probably if I try that, it'll probably work out a lot better for me. Yeah, that's probably the biggest thing that I'm like, I need to work on and I need to work on it fast because it's going to start affecting my performance at work. (laughs) things like that. (laughs) If I don't get it under wraps. That's something that can happen (laughs) when you have your to-do list with prioritization. Because let's say that you have 20 things on your list and you only have two high prioritized tasks. Yeah. You tick those two and it's like, okay, I'm going to have a break now. So you have to keep on like forcing yourself to keep on yeah. going. And I yeah. do exactly the same thing as you. So I think it's normal to do that. You said that you struggle with imposter syndrome, which I think it's something that we've all dealt. Even now, I still do. Streaming helped me. And we were talking about that before we went live, that you should start streaming if you had the time for it. (laughs) (laughs) How did you surpass that? Okay, so (laughs) I don't know if I've actually surpassed it because Mm. I still feel like, oh, I kind of snuck my way in here and people just didn't realize. I still feel that way a lot of the time. But the difference is that now I don't necessarily let it stop me. I have a story to tell and I hate this story because it makes me so mad at myself. But when I was first learning to code like a year and a half ago, there was a company in Philadelphia that was hiring for an internship in the summer and I applied for it and I got like an interview. They were going to interview me and then we were going to do a technical challenge. And I got so nervous about it. I canceled. I emailed the lady like, I'm sick. I can't make it. I don't think I can do this. I'm really sick. And she was, oh, can we reschedule? And I told her like, I don't think so. I'm really, really sick. And I ended up missing out on the opportunity, which I probably could have gotten if I really just put my mind to it and practiced and studied or, you know, whatever the case may be. 
to this day, sometimes I think about that. And if I would have taken an internship, I could have been much further along right now. And I don't ever want to repeat that. So the feelings come all the time, all the yeah. time, every day, something I have to deal with. But now my mindset is, yeah, you're an imposter, but so what? Still do it. Still do the thing. Still apply. Still submit the CFP. Still do whatever the whatever I'm feeling nervous about. Because it's better to do it and get a no than not to do it. And you could have had a yes. You know, if you don't want to have that. Like, I feel like I could have had that internship at a company in Philadelphia and like been much further along and all this kind of stuff. And I don't want to have those doubts about any other opportunity or any other position or whatever the case may be. So that's kind of what I'm where I'm at now is that, yeah, I might be faking it and I might be a fraud, but I'm still going to go for it. I'm still going to go for it. And I'll let them tell me you're not ready for this. And when they tell me that, I don't get really upset. I try to like, whether it's a job or a proposal for a talk, I try to ask for feedback and work with that. You know, Mm -hmm. uh, why didn't you want to hire me for this position? Oh, you didn't know get enough. Okay, well, I'm going to try to learn it now. Like I'm going to try to get better at it now. Those are the kind of things that I I like to look at the feedback and take it and run with it so that the next opportunity that comes, I can be even better. Of course, like things happen, you still get upset sometimes. And even now, like there are some opportunities that I have like in the works that I'm like, oh, I really shouldn't be doing this. There are a million and one people I can name that could do a better job at this than me. But so what? I'm the one who has the opportunity, so I'm going to take it. And that's what I have to keep repeating to myself. And sometimes literally, this is going to sound really corny and a little weird, but sometimes I will literally look in the mirror and be like, you're good at coding. Like you're, you're great at Python. You're great at this. You're great at programming. And I know those aren't really true. And sometimes like if I have a technical challenge, like for an interview, I'll look in the mirror and be like, you're really good at technical challenges. You're so good at them. You're so good. You do so well. In, and I know that's not true, but it does wonders for my confidence for some reason. And I'll go into the interview and be like, yeah, I, I got this in the bag. And usually I don't, but still, still, it still really helps. Or even uh, I've heard people say like they do the, I forget what you call it, but like the the superhero stance where you have like your hands. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And like they like do that and it like improves their confidence. So those are the kind of things I do sometimes help. And it sounds silly, but it works. It really does work so i would say that i haven't necessarily gotten rid of the imposter syndrome but i've definitely changed the way i react to it which helps yeah it helps which i think you might think it's silly to do that but i think it's a brilliant way to do it and to quiet down even if it's just for one minute that voice in your head saying you shouldn't be doing this you're going to suck it uh you're not going to get the job so just doing that to say okay that voice is going to shut up for a moment and it's going to help you. So I think it's a, it's a good thing to, that you do that. And I think it's a brilliant way to see yourself and your skills. It's like, yeah, sure, maybe there's someone else better, but maybe they're not applying for it. And yeah. if you don't know something, it's what Kevin said when I had a talk with him, you can learn it. That's yeah. it. And yeah. you know, what, uh, what did Kurt say on one of his interviews that the person asked him a question and he was like, I will just Google that. I have no idea how to answer that. And they were like, Huh, didn't expect that answer, but <laughs> I guess that's correct. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> and it works. It, it works. Yeah. And it's okay. And honestly, I had a problem recently. I was writing an article on singletons in JavaScript, and I had no idea what was going on. I was like, I don't know what this is. And I asked someone who's more senior on my team, and I was like, can you help me figure this code snippet out? Like, I don't know what's happening here. And he was like, I don't really know what's happening either. And that that was so validating <laughs> for me. That was like, oh my gosh, we're both confused. So it's not just me. 
And I feel like it's like that a lot more times than we think. There are a lot of times where people are like, I don't really know what's happening here either. And I'm just faking it. And I feel like we're all faking it. and It's okay. Yep. So it's not necessarily a bad thing to not know everything. That might actually be something that you can use in your favor, which again, it's like another thing that I look at with imposter syndrome. Like I have a, an ongoing running list of everything that I'm good at. Everything. Like literally, it doesn't even matter if it's not related to tech, but like if I have a moment before I give a talk or before I'm interviewing or whatever, I'll read that list. I'm really good at cooking. I'm really good at memorizing lyrics. I'm not great at singing, but I still have a great taste in music. Like I have this list of just silly things that I'm like, I'm good at this. And I use that. I am going to interrupt that. Everybody's <laughs> a great singer in the shower. <laughs> that's true that's true yes. i actually yep. agree with you the neighbors might not like it but we are always sound amazing when we're having a, yes. a shower and we are singing so you know yes. a little concert in the shower what yep. yeah. <laughs> but yeah and it's and it's like a bunch of just silly stuff and it might not even have anything to do with tech but i have it there because it, it makes me laugh and it boosts my confidence and then I can go into the, the talk or the interview and kind of have a sense of confidence, which goes a long way. So, so yeah, I have Definitely. a little tricks now for, for managing imposter syndrome and it doesn't, I don't think it ever goes away. I hear people with tons of experience who have been in the industry for years still say like, mm -hmm. I, I get it sometimes still. And I think that's okay. It's just a matter of managing how you respond to it. So Definitely. I'm a maintainer for an open source project. And I had the creator of that project on the podcast as well. He works for NVIDIA. And he did say, sometimes I feel that I suffer the imposter syndrome. And it's NVIDIA. So it's like a big company. Yeah. It clearly knows his stuff. So yeah, it's exactly what you say. We all deal with that. I've been a flight attendant for six and a half years. And sometimes I'm looking at the things and I'm like, do I really know what I'm doing? And then I do <laughs> an exam. We have to do like monthly exams. And I pass 100%. I guess so. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and even then you still like, I don't know if I did it. Was that right? Is that correct? Yeah. Yep. But it's yeah. like, I think more often than not, we really know a lot more than we think. And we Definitely. Do, we're a lot better than we give ourselves credit for. And sometimes another thing too that can help, ask somebody in party toward you to hype you up or something like that. Yeah. Oh, you guys, I'm feeling a little bit of imposter syndrome. Like I need someone to hype me up. And sometimes people will be, you did this and you're really good at that and you're great at this and it'll like really help. Because sometimes it's almost like if your mom tells you you look really nice, but you're my mom, of course you're going to tell yeah, me other exactly. But if someone else tells you, it makes you feel a lot better. So sometimes that's how I feel too. Like, of course, I'm going to tell myself I'm good at this. It's me. I'm talking to yep. myself. <laughs> but like if someone else tells you, it's oh, I must actually be good at that. I must actually be good at coding if someone else is saying it. So yeah. Yeah. I just wanted to ask you, you were a digital marketer. You gave a lot of good tips in Egghead yeah. about Twitter and how to become active on Twitter and how to grow on Twitter. So I would like to ask you just a few tips for people that want to grow their presence online. Especially as a junior, that's a great way for you to create your own uh, network and community. Yeah. yeah. So I would say that Twitter is probably the place where I get most of my opportunities. And of course, it's not a requirement for getting into tech. It's not a requirement for the tech industry at all, but it does help, especially if you mm -hmm. come from like a non-traditional background. When I was a digital marketer and I was still kind of learning how to code, I was not active on Twitter at all. I just was there just because someone told me I should be. And sometimes I was doing Twitter and social media marketing for other people. So I didn't feel like coming home and doing it for myself too. But yeah. when I lost all my clients in March, <laughs> I was like, okay, I should use this to my advantage now. 
So one thing I will say that helps a lot more than anything is I know people say tweet consistently and it gets discouraging when you're tweeting consistently and no one's responding. So one thing I can say is interact with people, kind of treat Twitter like it's a big chat or like a big discord server where you just interact with people. So sometimes that means just responding to people, other people's tweets, which can go a long way. And then not only do you gain followers, but you also gain like a community of people who are willing to help you when you need it. If you're looking for a position, they're willing to vouch for you and things like that. So it's really, I really have like a more com community focused view of social media than, oh, I just want to have 50,000 followers. That is not such a big deal to me because when you have a lot of followers, then things can get messy. But I think thing that you should really think about is community. So interact with people. And once you start interacting with people, they'll start to follow you and they'll start to promote your content too. And they'll start to root for you. So when I have 300 followers, I'm tweeting articles that I'm writing. No one's going to see it. But once I start interacting with people who might have more followers than me and they start to follow me and they start like me and like my content, once they see that I'm writing an article, they'll retweet it and share it and it'll get more attention. So I think that's the, the best thing is to kind of focus on the people, focus on reaching people and reaching and building a community through Twitter. And it kind of seems weird to say that since it's such a big platform, but it has helped me a ton. And then once you kind of get a following after a certain number, and it's different for everybody, whatever you consider that to be, I do think it's good to, to be authentic and be you. This is your platform, right? This is your space yep. on the internet. It's even sometimes people will ask, I'm creating my blog. Should I include emojis or should I do this? Should I do that? And it's like, do whatever you want. Like it's your, it's literally your space. And this yep. is the great <laughs> thing about it. You get to be you, like authentically you. So that for me, that means I talk about Hamilton a lot. I tweet a lot of memes. When I write articles, I have a lot of memes in them and a lot of corny jokes. That's because it's me. And if somebody likes it, they'll follow and they'll still keep up with my content. And that's the, the thing that's going to make you unique. A lot of people are like, well, it's so many people on Twitter or there's so many people writing articles about this subject, but nobody's you and you're different from everybody else. So look at it like that. Put your spin on things. I feel like sometimes I'm a little too, too authentic, <laughs> but I try to be like myself because this is my space. And if you are following me, I want you to get like a glimpse of what I'm like. So that's yeah, kind exactly. of what I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I think that's, that's the, and, and that's the kind of people I follow. Like, and I enjoy it. It's entertaining to see people act like themselves and people talk about things that they like. And even if it's outside of tech, it doesn't have to all be tech either. So that's what I would say. It's community and just be authentic and be yourself are two things that I think really helped me a lot. And it takes time. You have to be patient. Like you're not going to get a thousand followers overnight and it's a long game. But if you put in the work and you be yourself and you build that community, you will get the, the traffic and the attention that you want. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say as well, just to add to that, don't do things for others expecting something in return. Just do yeah. it because you want to help others. Yeah. If you do good things, good things will follow suit. You will grow from that anyway. Simple yeah, as that. Sure. Like be nice to people <laughs> online. Yeah. Be nice to people <laughs> and be helpful. And that goes a long way. Like being nice and helpful goes a long way. Because some people are just mean for no reason. Don't be like that. Be nice. And uh, <laughs> if people are mean to you, you're allowed to do whatever you want in that case. But if, <laughs> don't be mean for no reason. Just be nice and be helpful. And that's another thing that I think helps because it's so rare, actually. It's so rare for people to just be nice. When people are nice, they take account of that. And again, it's kind of a part of like building community. Then people will start to really like you. So, yeah. Just to finish this off, if you're looking at a 16-year-old Siora, what kind of advice would you give yourself? What would I give myself? 
I would probably say uh, spend a lot of time with your friends because in four years you'll be stuck inside and you won't be able to go out <laughs> with your friends like you want to and travel as much as you can and learn as much as you can and keep learning languages. That sounds a good uh, piece of advice or a few good piece of advices. <laughs> if uh, people want to get in contact with you, where's the best place to do so? I'm assuming it's going to be Twitter, but... <laughs> uh, I'm at Ciorio underscore, so that's C-E-E-O-R-E-O underscore. Um, my DMs are open and I also have a contact form on my website, but like I don't ever check that. So it's best to reach me there. Awesome. Thank you so much for spending the time to speak with us and share your story. And I hope you have a good day. You too. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode. I hope you liked it. You can find information about what we talked, read the transcript on landingintech.com. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at landingintech and join the Discord chat. Whenever I'm about to go live with a guest, I tweet about it so you can join us on Twitch and ask questions. Have a great day.